Good morning. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm so thankful that you are here. Whether this is your first time or you've been here for a long time, uh, whether you've been here for the last you know, couple years straight or you're just returning, we're just so thankful that you're here. Thanks for joining us online as well. Uh, it's uh, been a great morning so far, and uh, it was amazing just listening to you all worship. Uh, paused for a moment on a couple of the songs and just listened. And uh, what a beautiful, beautiful sound. So, uh, wondering, uh, how many of you get the weekly here? Our church weekly, it's an email that comes out. How many of you? So, a few of you. What about prayer requests? When prayer requests come through email, all right, about the same amount. If that's something that you're interested in receiving, there's communication cards in the seat backs. You can fill this out, put your name and your email address, and say, hey, I'd like to receive prayer requests, or I'd like to receive the weekly, or both, whatever it may be. You can just fill that in in one of the boxes on there and uh, and do that. And the reason that I asked that question is that we sent out a prayer request early in the week, and then I shared a follow-up yesterday, which some of you have read, some of you have heard, and uh, and I want to read what was sent out yesterday so you can hear this again or hear this for the first time. So I started with saying this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now Paul wrote these words above to the church at Philippi, words that mattered both in the highs of life and the lows of life as they served the Lord. Earlier this fall, on August 25th, almost two months ago, the Ray family flew to Uganda. They went there sent as missionaries to serve in Sarodi. This weekend, as you may have heard, the Rays flew back to the United States for a yet-to-be-determined amount of time. And here's how this unfolded. First, I'm thrilled to report the need God revealed to them to serve in Uganda has been confirmed. They have witnessed great need, especially in the area of addiction and recovery. Rocky has been amazed at the need, the lack of understanding, the opportunities of ministry and generational change that is possible. Ground was gained. And even in this short time, on territory and strongholds in the lives of the Ugandan people. As we should know, any great move of God will be opposed because there is an enemy. And if not, we need to question what we're doing and how we're doing it. We should not be surprised when there's opposition. This is a case as well. Scripture teaches us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, being human beings, but against rulers and the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so for the last six weeks, almost the entire time that the Rays have been there, Chelsea has been fighting for her health. And I have full permission to share all of this. They've read this. They've blessed this. It's good. She's been fighting for her physical health, but also her mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Chelsea has met with many medical and care professionals in Uganda and then also here in the United States. She has been in and out of hospitals as well for care, most recently in the capital city of Kampala for the last week. In short, Chelsea has not shown any signs of improvement and therefore other actions needed to be taken for her health, the well-being of the entire family, and the future mission in Uganda. Therefore, at the recommendation of their sending agency, CORD, their receiving ministry in Sarodi, her doctors in Uganda, and me standing here in agreement, it was recommended that they need to return to the United States as soon as possible for care and healing. And this will be a quote-unquote guided return. And everyone involved, being CORD, the ministry in Sarodi, medical community, and also our church community, will play a part in this healing and eventual return to Uganda. So while Chelsea heals, Rocky will continue to serve and minister at a distance with planned return trips to Uganda during this time. 
So what Rocky and Chelsea need from you is your prayers, your encouragement, as they, and support as they navigate this time. And so if you have any questions, I encourage you to ask me. Now you can email me, you can call the office, whatever it may be. Um, I'll be meeting with them this week, and so uh, you can ask me any questions that you may have. And so thank you for how you've previously cared for the Rays and how I anticipate you as a church will continue to care for them into the future as well. And once again, being reminded, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we trust and believe that God's doing a work, uh, God's not surprised, and, uh, and, and God's going to heal through this time. And so we ask that you would pray uh, for them when you think of them, and this week especially as they adjust back. Uh, but right now, we're going to pause for a moment, and we're going to pray. So I'm just going to ask you where you're at, uh, whether you're here or at home, that you would pray for the raise, and then I'll lead us in prayer. So let's just pause for a moment. Gracious and merciful God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are all-knowing, you're all-powerful, Lord, you're all-sufficient. God, that you, you know the, the biggest details of life and the smallest, most minute elements of life. Lord Jesus, we know that you're in this and you're working, and, and Father, you're bringing about a healing and an opportunity for growth and maturity. And so, Father, we do ask for that growth and that maturity and that ultimate healing, God, especially for Chelsea, God, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Lord Jesus, that you would use uh, this time and your people, God, to be a ministering balm. God, something that you want to bring about and, and just to, to surround with your love. And so, Father, as a church, I, I pray that you would give us wisdom with our words and compassion in our prayers. Lord, seeking your heart, God, and your will to be done in and through Rocky and Chelsea and the boys. And so, Lord, we recognize that there's much work to be done. What they began, what you began, you're going to bring it to completion. And so, Father, we trust that. We know that. And, Lord, thank you that you are working. And so we pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. All right. All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 as we transition into our series, Who is Your One? Who's Your One? And uh, last week, we wrapped up a four-week series titled Church, and we looked at our church. We looked at the mission statement here of the church, and our mission statement here at the church says this. It says, developing followers of Jesus who serve to reach one more. And so this first part is this developing part. This is making disciples. And we talked about how making a disciple was about denying ourselves by taking up our cross and following Jesus. And when we develop, it's very purposeful developing, not just so I'm more intelligent and I just feel better about myself, but rather it's to serve. And so we serve as followers of Jesus. And we specifically talked about one way to serve. There's many, many ways to serve. 
but specifically about table fellowship, is that who are we sharing meals with? Who are we uh, sharing coffee or other drinks with that we can connect with, both Christians and non-Christians? This is an opportunity for us to serve other human beings. And we, like we just don't develop for ourselves, we don't just serve so we feel good, but rather we serve to reach one more. And so last week we talked about what does it mean to reach one more, and we're going to dig into that deeper over these next number of weeks when we talk about reaching our one. Now, sharing faith, sharing Jesus can be done widely and should be done widely, but for what we are talking about in this series, we're going to encourage all of us to have a one. And really three guiding principles to help us frame in how we're praying and how we're thinking about our one. Uh, So these are the three principles that briefly shared last week. So as you start to think about and pray about who is that one uh, that you want to share Jesus with, is that first, someone who's not walking with Jesus. So this may be someone that has never, ever met Jesus, has no concept of faith or uh, who Jesus is. It may be someone that grew up in the church and just walked away. It may be someone who recently walked away. But the point is, is it's someone who's not walking with Jesus. Because it's not just about a prayer, it's about a walk with Jesus. So this is a first factor to start thinking about this. Second is local to your community. Now, we should be praying for our family members and friends all over the place. So don't hear me the wrong way. Is that this person should be local to your community, and this is why. We want you to spend time with this person. So this person is someone that you're around, that you can be intentional with, that you connect with. Now, if someone lives in a different community, but yet you still spend time with them, great. The point is spending time with this person. And then the third one is that you rearrange your life to spend time with this person. So the reason of this one is that we all have neighbors that we say we're praying for or coworkers we're praying for, and it's just this like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Morning. The point of this is rearranging our life where we're intentional. So maybe it's that neighbor, maybe it's that coworker, but you're going to say, hey, let's grab lunch. Let's spend some time together and get to know each other as human beings and find out how we tick, listening to stories. Remember last week? We talked about listening to each other's stories. And so these are some guidelines to get you thinking about who your one may be. Now you may say, I have 10 or I have 100. Wonderful. Again, one or two people that you're really focusing in, you're being intentional with your prayers and your time. And so we're going to look at this a little bit deeper here today. And so this is where we're going. This is what we're going to be talking about the next number of weeks and and filling this in here. And so in Matthew chapter 4, We're going to look at what Jesus did, how Jesus called individuals. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat and their father with excuse me, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, after reading this passage many times over the years, I've had one question. I've had one question about this passage. Maybe you've had the same question. This is the question that I've had. It is the question, why? What logical sense does it make for you to be doing your job, someone come along and say, follow me, 
And you're like, eh, okay, let's go. See, we've read scripture and we just take it in. Sometimes we don't ask the question, why? Why, does, why do they follow? Why does this happen? I mean, just think of any of you. You're at your job. Guy comes in, robe, sandals. He says, hi, follow me. You stand up, you're like, all right, let's go. And you walk out. <laughs> See, it seems normal in scripture, but odd when you put it in your everyday context. So why did they do this? I mean, your friends and family, but no, 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 don't, no, no, come back, come back. Why did they do this? Oh, we need context. So let's go back about 2,000 years ago. Jesus grew up in a setting that was very devoted to Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Very devoted to following God. Very devoted to each other. And there were three different educational environments that the students would go through. And these are the three settings. So Bet Sefer, Bet Midrash, Bet Talmud. And essentially, I want you to think elementary school, like middle school, and then high school slash college, post-college timeframes. So these are the three different environments that the students would walk through, including uh, the disciples of Jesus. So this first one. This is really about learning to read and write using Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Now, by the age of 10, I want you to think of a 10-year-old. Can everyone picture a 10-year-old? Okay. By the time they're 10 years old, they would have Torah memorized. First five books of the Bible. How many of you have trouble memorizing one verse? Right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. You're not alone. All right. So they are memorizing scripture. They are taking it all in there. So this is the primary education. This is the first step. Now, the most gifted students out of here would move on to the secondary, kind of middle schoolish type of environment without all the drama and all the other stuff. Um, but, uh, but they would move into this Bet Midrash, and it would be a thinner group, like a, a smaller group. And it's important to note that most of Jesus' disciples would have stopped school at this time, and they would have gone off to learn a trade. So they would have said, all right, I've got my basic education. I'm going to learn a trade. Now, those who were advanced, who were really learning, would go to the secondary education, and it would be about application. So they would take the knowledge that they have, and they would learn to apply it. They would learn to discuss it. They would learn to process it. And we see a verse in Scripture like this in Luke 2. When Jesus was about 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus is at this stage, about 12 years old, transitioning into this next environment of education. And in our day, it'd be like a middle schooler going to a college and just sitting and discussing with the professors and the professors being like, whoa, this kid is smart. This kid has is, is got it. So there would be a few that would move on to the secondary, and then there would be even fewer who would move on to this bit Talmud. This is where a rabbi would invite a student to follow him. The rabbi would come along and would look for a student that has great potential, brilliance, and say, come and follow me. And it would be such an honor for a student to follow. 
Now, the student would be a disciple, being a Talmud. And at this point, it is much further along than just knowledge and some questions. Now, instead of being a student where a student wants to know what a teacher knows, the disciple, the Talmud, would want to be just like their rabbi. So whatever the rabbi did, the, the, the Talmud, the disciple, would replicate it. The way the rabbi spoke, the way the rabbi thought, the way the rabbi moved. And there was a saying that would go around that talks about being in the dust of the rabbi. Meaning that when the rabbi walked or moved, you were so close to the rabbi that you got the dust of their movement upon you because you were that close to being just like the rabbi. In Luke 3, it says this. It says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And Jesus would say things like this. He would say, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Or in John 13, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Or John 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. See, Jesus is in this model of, of the rabbi is there, the rabbi's living this out, and you're following so closely that you're becoming like the rabbi who invited you to follow after him. Okay, now back to Matthew 4. Back to Matthew 4, when Jesus walks along, Jesus is a rabbi, and he calls these four individuals. These four individuals had had the basic education, but had gone back and learned to trade. They were fishing. They were rejected from following any sort of rabbi, having any sort of further education. And so when Jesus came along, they had this feeling like they weren't good enough. And Jesus said, follow me. And they dropped their nets. They left their boat. They left their father. I mean, it's, in a way, like, anyone like baseball? Anyone? Okay, if you don't, just pretend you like baseball. So you grow up liking baseball. It's your love. It's your passion. You play t-ball. You play slow pitch. You play fast pitch. And you get to high school, and the high school coach watches you try out and goes, no. You need a different sport. You are not good enough to play high school baseball. And so there you are, you're heartbroken. You dreamed about playing in the majors. And so you finish high school, maybe you go to college, you get a job, whatever it may be, and you're working. Good job, pays the bills. And all of a sudden, the general manager, the Detroit Tigers, calls you up and says, hey, I want you to come play for me. This is real. This is not a prank. This is real. We really need you. And, and you need to come play. And what would you do? If this has been your dream, this has been what you've always wanted to do, I mean, immediately you're like, I'm there. I, I, I want to be a Detroit Tiger. This is what was happening in this passage. This is the why. This is why they dropped everything and followed after Jesus. This is why. And as we follow Jesus, as Jesus follows us, he calls us. He says, I want you to come after me. I want you to be like me. I want you to, to learn from me. Listen to the words that I share. Follow in my example and my actions. Follow me. But something happens. Is that we start following, or maybe we, we consider it, and then we think, you know what? I'm not very good. I don't know a whole lot. I'm 
this person over there, they're, they're much better. We start to question, maybe like the disciples questioned how they were following Jesus, looking at other rabbis going like, they're all the best and the brightest. Well, a couple of thoughts for us to process here today. First is this. Jesus desires the willing, not the best. Jesus desires the willing, not the best. Again, thinking of sports, I know sports must have been on my mind a lot this week for some reason, is that, think back to middle school basketball. There's like Team A and Team B. Uh, like Team B is like, I want to be like Team A, and Team A is like, we're sweet, right? <laughs> we're awesome, we're the best. And Jesus comes along and he's like, well, Team A is great, but I'm choosing Team B. Because Team B is like, I just want to play. I want to, I want to do whatever it is. Like, I, I, I'm in. They're willing to do whatever it may be. And so Jesus, in a very similar way, says, I want the willing over the best. Uh, John MacArthur, he said this. He said, God skipped all the wise of the day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodias, the historian, and Socrates, the great thinker, and Julius Caesar. And he chose men so ordinary, it was comical. No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts. Why? Why? Well, I think Jesus knew that they weren't able, the disciples knew that they weren't able, but they were willing to allow God to work in them and through them. They weren't depending on their own power and their own ability. And we see plenty of times where the disciples tried their own power and ability and failed miserably. Jesus is looking for the willing, not the best. There's an individual that we read about in Scripture named John the Baptist. And Jesus thought the highest of high things about John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, it says this, This is the one about whom it is written. This is verse 10 and 11. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Like the highest compliment about John the Baptist, right? It's like, John the Baptist is the best. Everyone else falls behind. Yet in a very Jesus-y way, he says this, yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What's the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's anywhere that Jesus is working. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven being present where he was at. The kingdom of heaven is unfolding. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you're walking with Jesus, you're participating in a relationship with Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the least in the kingdom of heaven that follower of Jesus who's committed their life to them, who's the least in whatever category, is greater than John the Baptist. And it's like if we were to line everyone up from like the most intelligent, the most compassionate, the most social, the most uh, whatever, over here, all the way down to the least, Jesus would be like, hey, that person at the very end of the line, where you feel the least intelligent, the least compassionate, the least whatever it may be, hey, you're greater and John the Baptist, not because of your ability, but rather because of the Spirit of God working in you. Because you're willing. You're willing. In Acts 4, Acts 4 verse 13, 
It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Probably not the highest compliment to Peter and John in that moment. But here's the point. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. In Acts, when the disciples are working in powerful ways, it's not because they had the right thing to say or because they did all the right things or thought everything perfectly and just knew it all. Rather, they looked and they had been with Jesus. Just like the Talmud wanted to be near the rabbi. They looked at Peter and John and they said, you know what? They sound like Jesus. They care like Jesus. They have compassion like Jesus. They're like Jesus. We may feel unschooled and ordinary. We may feel like we're not equipped. But it's Jesus and time with Jesus that changes us bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment. It's not about what I can do or what you can do, but rather what Jesus can do, what the Spirit of God. It's not about how able you are, but rather how available you are. So the first thing, he chooses the willing, not the best. Second thing is Jesus chose us. Jesus chose you. Now, this is not some Calvinist argument that I'm trying to get into right now. I just want to point to John 15 right now. I want to point to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Jesus is saying, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. When you feel weak, allow me to be the strength. When you feel like you've just fallen, get back up. Let me help you up. When you feel like you have nothing left to give, be reminded that the Spirit of God is working in you and through you. He chose us. He calls us. He has a purpose and a plan for us. Paul wrote these words. He said, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good, work, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's got a plan, a purpose. It's his. And then a verse that I read earlier from Philippians 1.6, it says this, being confident of this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God began a good work in you. It's not done. There's more to be done. He chooses the willing over the best. We're chosen. And just real briefly here, we're to be with Jesus. Like I've already talked about with the rabbi, with the Talmud, is that we're to be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. We get to know Jesus through his word. We get to know Jesus through prayer. Just allow yourself to saturate in the word, to be changed by him. The fourth thing I want to encourage you today is, is to leave it. And I don't know what it is for you, but to leave it. Paul wrote this. In 2 Corinthians, he said, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, and the new is here. The old is gone, and the new is here. So I encourage you to leave it. For the disciples, it was their nets, their job. For others, it was the boat. Other, it was a relationship. Called to leave it. And so maybe it's something in there that God is calling you towards something. 
but there's something that you're just not willing to leave. Or maybe it's a burden or an addiction or shame or guilt or hurt or whatever it may be. When we follow Jesus, we're called to leave it, is that allow the Spirit of God to minister, to change us, to mold us, to make us anew. So to follow Jesus, what needs to be left behind? What is that? And then the fifth and final thing is to reach one more. I'm called to reach one more. See, Jesus desires the willing over the best. He chose us. We want to be with Jesus. We need to leave whatever it is. And the outflow is this reaching one more. I want to encourage you later, if you so choose, to look at John 15. It's the discussion about the vine and the branches and the importance of being connected to the Father and what the Father does and what we do and and how we're called to be our disciples and bear fruit, be his disciples and bear fruit. And fruit is a sign of discipleship. It's a sign of following Jesus. See, this reaching one more is not an optional add-on to following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to be a disciple, and to be a disciple is to make more disciples. It's not an add-on for super-Christians, whatever in the world that is, or or whoever it may be. Remember, it's, it's about the least in the kingdom. It's greater than John the Baptist. It's about the Spirit of God empowering you, allowing God to minister to you. So as we look back over where we've been the last number of minutes, let me ask you a couple questions. Have you committed to follow Jesus? And what I mean by committed to follow Jesus is not just pray to prayer and say you're a Christian, but have you committed to follow Jesus as a disciple? We look at the commitment that the early disciples had. Are you willing? Some of you are waiting to be the best. Some of you are waiting to get everything fixed in your life before you really start following Jesus. Are you willing? Because God is. Do you understand that God has called you, that you're chosen? That Jesus said he chose you to bear fruit. Not that person who's sitting across here or someone else that you know because they're better at that. No, he called you to bear fruit. Do you know that God wants to be with you? That God wants to empower you? That God wants to walk with you? Those moments where you feel weak, and I feel that all the time. I go into so many conversations is that it's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond in this situation. And it's one of those things of just, God, I thank you that you're with me. God, I thank you that you're going to tell me when to be quiet. You're going to tell me when to talk. You're going to give me what to say. And it's that trust walking into it. But God wants us to know him. God wants us in that relationship. And then are you willing to leave behind whatever it is that gets in the way? Whatever that is. I think so often when all of us have that thing, that we're like, it's one thing. I just, yeah, I just hold on to it. I'm going to keep it for now. What is it? Are you willing to leave that? See, a disciple is about receiving Jesus and surrendering to Jesus. So are you a disciple? This is for those of you that have committed to follow Jesus. Let me ask another question. Is those who have not yet decided to follow Jesus, is that, Do you believe, as Nick shared earlier, that what it takes is it's a confession of Jesus? 
that you believe in your heart and that you confess with your mouth, the word says that we're saved. That confession of sin, that receiving of forgiveness. None of us are worthy. You may try to hold on to that one thing. Jesus wants to take that thing too. So what I want to do is I want to pause for a moment. And if there's anyone here or anyone watching online, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as a starting point of your faith, confess today. I'll just lead us through. So let's pray. If this is you, just pray quietly. God knows in your heart and your mind. Just pray something like this. Is, is God, I am a sinner. You know that. I don't have to tell you. But God, today I confess that I'm a sinner. And today I, I acknowledge that you took all of my sin upon the cross. That Jesus died for me. And in my confession, I, I give it to you and, and you just wash me white as snow. You, you cleanse me, you purify me. And Lord, today I confess that you are my Savior. And God, I believe that you're a living God. You're a living God who wants a relationship with me. And and this day I commit to walk with you. God, as one of your disciples, learning from you, walking with you. Lord, today, help me to grow as your disciple. For those of us here who have confess Jesus as our Savior, who call ourselves a follower or a Christian or whatever you call yourself. Just take a moment here and process that question of, am I a disciple? Am I following Jesus? Have I surrendered my life to walk with him? Just take a moment. Confess anything that may stand in the way. Lord, I pray that your spirit empowerment upon each person, God, who desires to know you, to walk with you as your disciple, as a follower of Jesus. God, work in us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Now, if you received Jesus Christ, if you prayed for forgiveness of your sins, let us know. You can email, call, talk to me afterwards, whatever it may be. We want to get you on a path growing. Um, If you prayed, confessing something, share that with someone else. Uh, Share that with someone else you trust. That, hey, keep me accountable in this area. I want to walk this way. The last thing and the last challenge I want to give you today is we're called on mission as disciples. Again, it's not just about us. It's about the mission we're sent on, to make other disciples. So who is that one? Who's that one? Who's that one that you're going to pray for? Who's that one you're going to intentionally invest in? Who's that one that you're going to walk with? Who is this one that you just want to come alongside? And so we want to put two tools in your hands. So on your way out, 
Uh, there's not much left on that table. There's more left on these tables in the back, some in the coffee bar um, as well. Two things is one, this is where it begins, it is with prayer. So this is a 30-day prayer guide. And so today is day one. And so today, day one, in this prayer guide, there's scripture to pray. And then there's a prayer, a suggested prayer that we can pray. And then an area here to jot down any sort of thoughts that you may have, any sort of reflections, whatever it is. But we want to be a people who are praying, walking with Jesus. This is this drawing near to him. This is the being the disciple, being near the dust of the rabbis through prayer. And then also, we encourage you to grab a bookmark on your way out. This has the days listed on it with little check boxes. Also, today's scripture, which is John 14, verse 6. What I'm going to encourage you to do is when you know who your one is, that you're going to write their name here, and then you're going to put this in your Bible or whatever, wherever you're going to see it every day. And you're going to be praying for them and thinking of them um, with this throughout there. And so you're going to keep that part. This other part right here, what you're going to do is you're going to write their name down, and then you're going to tear off this top piece. Just write their first name. We don't need last names. Just their first name. And I'm going to ask what you do with this is you just come up front with their name and you just set it up here as an act of surrender and an act of prayer. And uh, we're going to have those somewhere in here uh, and be praying for your one, those names that will be there. I'll commit to pray. I'm not going to speak for the rest of the staff, but I'll commit to pray for your one as well. Um, so we encourage you to do that, whether that's today or in the weeks uh, ahead. And so as we close this part before Nick comes, I'm going to ask you to pause right now to ask God that question of who is my one. If you know who your one is, that you would pray for your one. And then what I'll do is I'll pray for your ones as well. So just take a moment to ask God who that one may be, or if you know who your one is, that you would pray however God leads you for your one. Lord Jesus, we pray in faith that in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead, God, that fruit would be born from, God, the prayers offered in this place and the prayers that are going to be offered over the next month, month and a half. God, from the intentional effort of developing relationships and truly caring for and praying for other human beings around us. Lord, your word says that you desire that none would perish, but everyone would come to repentance. And so, Father, we do pray in faith, God, that many would come to repentance. And, God, that you would use us, God, Team B, the willing, God, the ones relying on your power. So, God, we love you. We're so thankful that you, um, God, you chose this as the way you're going to work in the world. There's no other option. It's the church, God, that you desire for salvation to come through in Jesus' name. So, Lord, use us by your power and your spirit. Love you. So thankful for this group that's gathered here today. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you go with them. We pray your blessing upon their households. pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen.